This evening we're going to read from the book of John and from 1 John chapter 3. And if you're with us this evening and there's a pew Bible in front of you, please feel free to open it. You'll find it on page 1227. It's page 1227. 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to begin to read at verse 10 this evening. So 1 John chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 10, found on page 1227. This is God's word to us this evening. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and who murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gives us. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, after one of our uh, discussion groups uh, at Voxbox that I've just mentioned, uh, one of the attendees approached and, uh, and said, I'm sorry that my contribution to the discussion wasn't very spiritual, but I don't really believe in spirituality. And a few weeks later, uh, after a similar discussion, I accidentally overheard the conversation. Anya was trying uh, to invite uh, one of the girls from Voxbox to uh, their women's meetings. And the girl immediately um, responded and said, well, will, will it be connected to religion in some way? Because I don't believe in God. Today's passage, the passage that we read earlier, teaches us how to understand attitudes like that and says that there are two camps, there are two spiritual families, and there are really, there's no other family than that, than these two, uh, and everyone belongs to one of those spiritual families. Verse 10 says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So everyone is spiritual, everyone is religious, and everyone believes in something, even if they say that they are not spiritual and they are not religious. So it's not quite true when people from my generation, especially my generation uh, in Krakow, say things like, uh, well, God is a fairy tale for not very intelligent people, or I'm not, I, I just don't have time for any spirituality or religion. And some, some actually say, um, well, maybe, yes, maybe there is some sort of um, force, uh, spiritual force over us, watching over us, but certainly devil, hell cannot exist. So the Bible says you can't be somewhere in the middle. You can't be spiritually neutral. You either belong to the family of the devil and you are his children, or you belong to the family of God and you have been called children of God. Just like in any, any game um, where, where the, we have two teams, um, be it football or rugby, you're, you're either on one side or the other. There is no such thing as neutral when you're on the field and you're playing. And we know that entering into a family of God happens through adoption. This is what John also writes about. Uh, and it comes with certain things uh, that we ought now to believe, know, and practice. And this is, this is a common practice, for instance, with the royal families. Uh, when royalty are getting married with someone from outside the royal family, uh, that person that is being brought uh, into royal, the royal family, they need to be instructed and, and taught things that will now become part of their new identity. Uh, everybody uh, in Poland, and probably everywhere on the continent, uh, people are following uh, British royal weddings and... Uh, uh, I, I saw somewhere that Princess uh, Meghan Markle, she had, she had to go through a six-month training preparing for her new uh, royal life and her new royal identity. How do I behave myself now, uh, now that I have been accepted and adopted into this family? How do I treat others? And also what is quite interesting and important, how will others now treat me? And this is what almost the whole epistle, the whole letter, the uh, first letter of uh, John is about. It's instructing Christians on, on the assurance of salvation and on our new family status and what comes with it. And one, one of those requirements, one of those things that come with us being brought into the family of God is loving your neighbor. Verse 11 says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. When I first read this, I thought, okay, what, what beginning are we talking about here? Which, which of the beginnings? Which one? Um, the author of uh, 1 John is the same John that recorded Jesus' words in the Gospel of John. Uh, and in this letter now, he, he builds on what Jesus said, and he's teaching his readers the new commandment. He's quoting uh, Jesus from John thirteen thirty four, where Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know 
that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So love, that's simple. Everyone, everyone's in favor of it, uh, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. Everyone roots for love. Uh, love uh, is, seems to be the highest value in almost any culture now. Love is what uh, the Christian church has been practicing throughout the century from the beginning. Uh, this is what, uh, starting from the early church, Christianity has been shocking uh, people, Christians that love. For, for, for instance, Jews, uh, 2,000 years ago, when they, when they came to faith, when they became uh, Christians, they started loving the, the non-Jews. Uh, that was strange in their culture. Uh, abandoned children and orphans suddenly were uh, picked up by uh, Christians and surrounded by, by love of people that were complete strangers to them. And all that because there uh, appeared a group of people which started adopting uh, these streets and taking these, street, these uh, children um, from the streets into their families um, because they, they seemed to understand very well the concept of adoption, probably based on some very good example of adoption. Those people were called Christians, and they, they once heard a certain man who said that he was God and that we should all love our neighbors as ourselves. This commandment is some, sometimes misquoted, sometimes it's quoted by secular um, authors, and sources, and it's, it's just said how today only the second part of that commandment registers with, with people. Uh, when, if Jesus said, love your neighbor as, as yourself, people just hear, have love for yourself. So how does Christ's call for love differ from what our society, um, both here in Northern Ireland and in Poland, uh, fights for and demands. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's the same here. I was talking to somebody yesterday and I, and I heard that phrase, love and peace. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. It's all across, all across Europe. Everybody wants love and peace. So how is, how is Christ's uh, love and his call different from what our society is longing for and um, demanding? How is Apostle John's call for love different? Is he just talking about a special kind of care? Or is it just maybe being polite uh, to your neighbor? A lot of Christians actually subconsciously define being a Christian as just simply being polite, being nice, asking your neighbor about uh, how how he's doing, how he he feels, or a little small talk about weather. Just being nice, polite. That's, That's what what means to be a Christian. Or maybe is, is uh, St. John talking about the love uh, that means absolute acceptance, where you tolerate, you support everyone, you celebrate everyone and everything that people decide to do and believe. I think this is how the society is defining love these days, both in Western and in Eastern Europe. Because we all, um, we all use the same internet and we all watch the same American films and young, young people in Northern Ireland have the same uh, teachers as, as young people in, in Poland. Um, an American professor and theologian, Adam Kotzko, wrote um, recently this on his blog. He said, stop saying love when you mean liberal tolerance. 
Stop saying love when you mean liberal tolerance. Because this is what it is fundamentally these days. The modern definition of love is just tolerance. Allowing people any unacceptable behavior just because they are convinced that they have the right to sin and practice their wickedness uh, that is also known as being yourself or following your heart or acceptance or simply just having love for yourself. And you can tell that uh, this definition, this new definition of love that the world uh, is offering us today is neither absolute nor universal. Um, it's not going to stay forever. It wasn't like that even 100 years ago. Um, and sometimes you can tell uh, that it's, it, something's happening with it, something's wrong happening, happening with it, or it's not uh, the definition that we used to have because... Um, it requires a change of law or a change in the definition of crime. So what, what used to be a crime is, for, for example, now a norm. But those of you that uh, watch and follow Dairy Girls, isn't, isn't it why members of Dairy Girls cast a few days ago joined a march on Westminster a few days ago calling for extension of abortion rights in Northern Ireland. They say, we don't want to be flying to England or Scotland to, to do it. They say, we should be able to decide what's right and wrong here, where we live, on the basis of who we are. Humans have always been known as sacrificial and fundamentally good, able to make the best decisions for their own good, right? I am being sarcastic, but if you do believe that people are fundamentally good and capable of choosing good, capable of choosing God, now I'll repeat this again. Please come to Krakow. Come to Krakow and take a half-day tour to Auschwitz and see if your thinking changes. And for this secular, liberal, pseudo-love that is covered with these great mottos, great declarations, love, freedom, peace, equality, tolerance. What all these slogans really say is, I just want to live how I like it. Leave me alone. Do not be pointing out my wickedness. And what's even more sad is that it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't have borders. It doesn't have geographical borders anymore. This is what you are being told by TV shows, uh, TV series like Dairy Girls, uh, and the, the, the people that, uh, that uh, cast there. We have the same happening in, uh, in Poland. It doesn't matter where you are. There's this new narrative, new doctrines that are being imposed on us. Here's a warning from uh, an Eastern European uh, to Western Europeans. You still are Europeans, aren't you? And, at least until the 29th. Um, Please do not get deceived by, by these, calls, these calls to uh, equality. I was born in Soviet Union, and a country that preached equality far much louder than what we hear today in our, in our cultures. Uh, everyone was supposed to be equal during communism. It was illegal to think and say that we're, people are not equal. You could, you could have got yourself to, to jail if you, if you said that people are not equal. 
uh, and yet there were always those who were more equal than others. It doesn't, it doesn't work. We've tried it. As our societies demand this equality and tolerance, this peace and love, what people are, are people, what I'm asking is, are people really concerned about love or do they just care for their personal freedom to practice what humans really are? Being self, sinful, being selfish, uh, seeking your own good, indulging in your personal independence. A hundred years ago, an uh, English, not very well known, English Wesleyan pastor, uh, Gravel Lewis, said these words, loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. I can't find better words from the past that describe uh, what is this love of the present. Verse 14 of our text today reads, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. St. John quotes Jesus here again from his previous book, from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 5, verse 24, where Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Do you remember what John said about the two families, the two camps in the beginning? Uh, so this passing from, uh, from death to life is equal to moving from one family to the other through adoption. God plucks you out of the devil's family to make you, a child of devil, his own, a child of God. And as he adopts you from the family of death, you pass to the new family, a family of life. And as you go and continually discover your new royal identity of a child adopted into this new family, something happens with you. After a while, you notice that you suddenly are able to love your neighbor. You are more patient towards him. But note that it's, it's not through the loving of your neighbor that we receive uh, the life. Some people misinterpret this and they say, uh, okay, so if, you're, if only we love our brothers, if only we love our neighbors, this is how we're going to, um, this, to make our way uh, to heaven. This is a common mistake with, with the Polish people who have this in their heads. If I love people, if I do enough good, then all these, uh, through all these deeds I, I shall be saved. Uh, and it's, it's common everywhere in, in, Catholic, uh, in the Catholic context. John Calvin, commenting on this verse, uses a very simple illustration that helps us understand it. He says it's like the sun and then the heat. So the sun being, the sun gives the heat. The heat is there not because of the heat. Um, so if, in the same way, you are able to love your neighbor because you've, you've been adopted into God's family, because you have been saved. So Christ, who is our re- real love example and the ultimate love example, uh, is somebody who laid down his life for us. This is why uh, uh, St. John in verse 16 writes, By this we know, we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So as we have already determined, both 
uh, Christians in our society use the word love quite a lot, but what we mean, what, what Christians and what the world mean by, uh, by this term is completely different. So if love that the world offers seeks its own good, uh, the Christian love is modeled after this highest example. It's modeled after Christ, who said, I will adjust to you, I will become like you, I will give up the comfort and the ultimate love that I'm enjoying within Trinity, I will sacrifice my good for, your, for yours. I will love you unconditionally. I will love you not because of who you are, but despite of who you are. I will lay down my life for you. Our hope is not in our strength and ability to be loving our neighbors. Our hope is in the person who is the giver of that love. And through him, we can pass from death to life, thanks to the one who sacrificially adjusted for us, lived the life that we should have lived, and loved us so much that laid down the life that we should have laid down. Let us pray. Father, as we come to you this evening, we, um, we want to praise you. And thank you for this ultimate gift that we all, uh, that we received. For the gift of salvation, for the gift of shed blood on Calvary. For, for Christ who um, gave up this ultimate love that he was enjoying within Trinity for our salvation. Thank you for loving us to this extent uh, that, uh, that you offered your son for us. Lord, as we, as we read through John's words and reread them later, uh, we pray that we would be able to love our neighbor like you loved us, that we would be able to, uh, to be more sacrificial and that we would be uh, willing to, to do this, to show this light, to, to be the salt, uh, to be your royal representatives wherever we go. Lord, we pray about these things in the name of our Savior. Amen.